Welcome back into another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a fabulous episode in store for you today. We are talking with two artists who have shows in the 21st annual Downtown Urban Arts Festival, which is running June 7th through the 24th at the Peter J. Sharp Theater. You can get your tickets and more information for the festival at duafnyc.com. But joining us today, we have the playwright, performer, entertainer, producer, community resource activist, Willie the Genius, whose new show, Willie Gets Naked, is playing, as well as the playwright and TV writer, Sarah Congress, whose show, Overdose, is also playing at this festival. These are two great shows that I can't wait to have them share with you. So why don't we go ahead and bring these amazing artists on, Willie and Sarah. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. This, I'm just so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Both of your shows sound incredible. And let's start, Willie, with you. Willie Gets Mm -hmm. Naked. Can you tell us a little bit more about that show? Absolutely. So, you know, I often say Willie Gets Naked was born out of a need to survive. As we kind of pre-chat a little earlier, I'm one of those people, I talk to everyone. I talk to everyone in this city. And to cut to the chase, for seven years, I was a crystal meth addict. I am now at this moment, I am three years and 11 months sober. Um, at the time when we actually staged the show, June, June 7th will be my four year anniversary. And at the height of the addiction, I got to a point where I was literally, you know, trigger warning for those who may have used drugs or have addiction passed. At the height of the addiction, I was injecting the drug into my arm and I had alienated myself from family, from friends, and even community members that I that I'd really cultivated these beautiful relationships with. And I had no one to talk to. I had I didn't have a lot of resources. I was poor, you know. And so at around three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, I would get on the train and I would ride the train around the city. And I would randomly tell my business to random people on the train. And as I'm telling these random people, you know, hey, I'm a crystal meth addict. I'm probably going to get high this weekend and, you know, or whatever I was dealing with emotionally. I noticed that every single person that I talked to would then share their experiences with me. It could be like, oh, yeah, I ate a little too much this weekend and I feel kind of crappy about it or went to an orgy and, you know, like the most fascinating stories would come up. And... I could tell in the moment that these people had never shared these stories ever with anyone. Like they they felt ashamed about it, but the fact that I was vulnerable allowed them to be vulnerable. And I realized, I was like, wait a minute, we are all hurt and bleeding and, and cutting on one another and yelling at each other. And really we're all just traumatized and we don't have the resources. Like we're all under-resourced. And so I said to myself, once I made it to the point of being three or oh, three months sober, I said, you know what? I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to perform everything that I was too afraid to perform in the addiction. I'm going to sing the songs that I had written. I'm going to perform the, the, the monologues, the poetry. And I was like, okay, what else have I been afraid to do? I was like, I've, I've always wanted to try drag and I was too afraid to do that. So I'm going to put on a wig and damn it, I'm going to do some drag. And then I was like, okay, what else? And then I was like, you know what? 
I've always suffered with a bit of body dysmorphia, seeing my body very differently from the way the world sees it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get completely naked. Ergo, Willie Gets Naked was born. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. And congratulations on your nearly four years clean. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank Good you. for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When I tell you, ah, I'm probably going to cry, y'all. So if I cry, just let the tears flow. But like, Ah, just thinking from the vantage point of where I was then, I never thought I'd be here. I thought I was, I really thought that was my, I, I was leaving on, on the train of crystal meth. I thought that was how Willie story end. I was going to die. And I said to myself, you know, I'm a genius, you know, and I understood my genius as a communicator. Literally, I have a degree in communication, mass communication from the Dan Rather School of Communication. So I was like, at the very least, lean in on the drug addiction, write about it. Worst case, I die. Best case, I come out of this. I thought I was going to die. I thought that was it. I thought I was dead, you know? And so to be sitting here right now, there are no words. <laughs> like, it it feels almost like, it, I was going to say it feels like a dream, but it is a dream. Hell, it's my dream, you know? And so something that was so dark gave me my my childhood dream of performing, entertaining, all of this, you know? I love that. I'm so glad that you're sharing that story. So that's amazing. Sarah, let's let's switch over to you with your show, which also incredibly powerful, a show called Overdose. Could you tell us about that? You know, it's very interesting. It's definitely an approach, a different angle in to the same themes that Willie the genius was just sharing with us all. So I'm exploring what our role is in another person's mental health. And also I am uh, really, I wrote the play, I'm friends with a lot of traveling nurses and nurses. And just, I want to explore the fatigue that the hospital staff has right now from the opioid epidemic. Mine is about the opioid epidemic and also about the fatigue of our medical staff after having to serve the pandemic. And just the idea that these are structures that we look at for hope and trust and faith have faith in but what if those structures are feeding us opioids and are over overworked themselves so overdose is actually it's a prompt i wrote based on a date that ends up in a hospital waiting room so the date's going really well it's really hot they're having a good time it's day three and they go to mike's apartment to consummate let's just say and they walk in on mike's roommate overdosing on oxycontin and they end up in the hospital waiting room and they're looking for answers and help. And Dr. Karma comes out, but Dr. Karma is our karma. She is overworked, close to an overdose herself. And we really just can't rely on that structure for safety anymore. So what do we do? Who can we trust? And what is our role in somebody's mental health? Wow. Two amazing stories that we have here addressing two real life issues that we're all facing right now. I love this. Let me ask you both, what has it been like developing your shows? And Sarah, if I could stick with you first on this. Yeah, so I was lucky. I have a wonderful relationship with Allison Youngberg at Playground, I'm sorry, Naked Angels Los Angeles. So they read the show on Zoom when they had allowed like by Coastal playwrights to come in. And then it was lucky enough to get another Zoom production and the Think Theater online play festival this February. And then I sent it to Reg Gaines for Downtown Urban. 
And he gave me fantastic notes and made me work and sweat and become a better writer. Can I just give a shout out to what a joy being a writer and having someone that'll that'll tell you what's up. Like what a joy to become, to be able to be with someone so invested in their craft and make you better at your craft. Like that is, I wouldn't have cared if I got into the festival because just getting notes from someone like Reg who wants to see you sweat and become a better writer is priceless. And I mean, that's why I'm here. I love writing. I write every day. I write plays, TV, medical content, faculty search postings for my job at Columbia School of the Arts. I love to write and just being able to be someone who will tell you like it is, you can do better. Wow. Reg Gaines, shout out to you if you're listening. And so then I did get in and now I cleaned it up, tightened the script, working with my awesome director, Emma Schaefer. And I love working with another female. Like, I love that. I love having a, a, a female director. I like that dynamic and we're having a good time. And yeah, I think our table read is next week. So I'm excited. So wonderful. Back to you, Willie the Genius. What has it been like developing Willie Gets Naked? Wow. Wow. That is, what has it been like? So as I, as I mentioned, you know, my first time performing Willie Gets Naked was actually September 13th. It was my birthday, September 13th, 2019. So we're talking just before the pandemic that was looming that we didn't realize was on the horizon. And I remember being on stage at this, it was a cabaret version that we were performing. And y'all, when I say synchronicities play such a huge role in how all of this has panned out, literally I'm walking down the street and I hear, I should mention I'm a witch, I'm not just a witch. I'm like, I am the high witch. I'm the, the voodoo queen. And it was revealed to me that the addiction was actually my initiation, right? How can I show up and support all these people in the world if I do not understand it? how to show up and help, you know, from a place of really being there in the trenches, not let me lift, you know, put a hand down and lift someone up. No, we're in this together. Right. And so I was walking down the street and I hear spirit say in my ear, talk to this woman who's walking a dog and we talk and she owns this restaurant in Williamsburg. I can't think of the name, Cantina, Cantina Royale, I believe, in Williamsburg. And she's like, oh, and I have a performance space in the back. If you want, I'll give you, a, you can host your performance there for free. So I literally, on my birthday, I'm having my performance, Willie Gets Naked, cabaret show, on in her, her space, free of charge. And as I am performing it, it hit me and I was like, oh, this is a theater show. <laughs> like in the middle of the show, I was like, oh my God, this is a theater show. And so what initially start off, started off as me kind of telling stories and then making my way to songs and making my way to the monologues. And so my creative partner, uh, Saj DeWaite, who I literally met in the middle of the street <laughs> in downtown Brooklyn, she then gave me rehearsal space at Hunter College, where she had just graduated from, and began directing me. We decided, you know what, let's turn this into a script. Let's make a theater show out of this. And so then we, we created the script, and we started to apply for all of these residencies, you know? The thing is, in New York City, I've found that there are a lot of residencies for either musicals or straight plays, right? But ne not anything for like this solo theater show that is a musical, that is also a theater show, that is also, it's all of these things. And so we got a lot of thank you, but we don't really know where to put you. And so I remembered that in while in the addiction, I'd participated in this 
community theater program with People's Theater Project. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're really, they do really amazing work with the immigrant community, especially in North Manhattan. And they just got a grant to, to build the first immigrant theater north of Harlem. And so this is amazing. They do amazing work. They do amazing, amazing work. And so I went to Mino Laura, who is the executive director, and was like, hey, Mino, which she did not know I was a crystal meth addict at the time that I participated. And so I told her about my, my struggles with addiction and how I'm now sober. And I've created this really powerful show that needs to be seen. And I was like, but we're having trouble finding a residency. And her words to me was, oh, this always brings tears to my eyes. She said, you know what, come home come home. And she gave me space, of course, free of charge and all kinds of resources, just anything that you can imagine that you need in order to develop a theater show, they gifted to me. And so shout out to People's Theater Project and the beautiful, beautiful, powerful work that they are doing in Upper Manhattan. And so, yeah, so that was our, that's been our process of getting Willie Gets Naked to, to the stage. <laughs> Love that. What a beautiful journey. Now, I want to ask, what is the message or thought you are hoping that audiences will take away from your stories? And Willie, I, I do want to stick with you first on this. Mm -hmm. So for me, there are a few things they're going to take away, right? From loving the body you got, because you're in it. And it's going to be yours for the rest of your life. We can tweak, we can do certain things, but guess what? You are going to be alone with this body for the rest of your being. L don't just love it, like it. <laughs> learn to like it, you know, and that me and that's every other part of the things that embody our body, right? Your soul, your spirit, your laughter, your quirks, you laugh too loud, you snort when you laugh, you, you fart in the morning, like that you do that because something in you needs to do it, right? So like it, you know, embracing that. But also it's important for me, I realize that none of us you know, I was speaking for addicts, you don't become an addict in, in a vacuum, right? Like no one's just becoming an addict. No one wakes up and says, oh, I think I'm going to do this drug and fall into this addiction for X amount of years. And that's not how that works. And so when you understand that if we are not all actively tearing down the current system to build one that is more equitable, then we are complicit in the current system, you know? And so we, we all have to kind of wrestle with how we show up in this world. Like, where are our privileges, right? Where are our um, deficits? Like, where are we being harmed? Also, I guess the, the last thing I really want people to take from it is to say the quiet part out loud. Say it aloud. Say the quiet part, you know? We've been socialized to, to be quiet, you know? I can say a, a Black idiom is, you know, uh, what goes on in this house stays in this house. And of course, we, we hear it in different ways in different cultures, but I realize a lot of times that has kept us locked in these cycles of addiction and abuse and things, the, the one thing that we need to tell in order to break free is the one thing that we're told we can't tell. Don't say that. And all we're doing is protecting the status quo. We're protecting the powers that be. You know, but collectively, when we tell our stories, I am telling you, when I stand on stage and I tell my story, people resonate with it and they begin to tell their stories. And then we start dismantling this matrix that we're in, you know, and seeing each other and hearing each other. So that's what I want people to take away from this. Yeah. Sarah, how about you? What is the message or thought you're hoping people will take away from overdose? I read in the New York Times briefing just this morning that nearly 110,000 people died last year of drug overdoses in the U.S. 
And certainly a lot of the same things that Willie is, is it's disgusting. Mine's just told through fictional characters, but it is, it is the overdose that it's, it's a thing. It's, it's just a real thing that we need to talk about. And if we don't talk about it, are we not just feeding that addiction? And again, just, I, I do want to explore that the medical staff itself is close to an overdose that they themselves have had to deal with this opioid epidemic and then the pandemic and that they are facing burnout and fatigue. And I want us to look at that. I hope that people look at that. Oh, well, why is the, you know, the doctor told me X, Y, Z, the doctor is a person. The doctor is not God. The doctor is just a part of this system that we have created. And I really like to look at things that we think are, you know, gods and, and secure and safety. We don't, have, that's, that's an illusion. Let's take down that illusion. And so I, I'm very much interested in the absurdity that I had to make Dr. Karma. You expect Dr. Karma, we expect Dr. Karma to be this straight, straight laced figure that comes out and says, everything's going to be fine. But what if there is no figure that says that? What if we need to be that figure that says that? What if we need to take responsibility for our own selves and be vulnerable? Like that wonderful word that Willie has been talking about. We need to be vulnerable with each other. And we also need to see the vulnerability of our medical system because it is a flawed system and it is breaking. Beautifully put. I love that. Finally, for the first part of this interview, I want to ask both of you, who do you hope have access to your shows? And Sarah, I'm going to stick with you again first on this question. Access. What an interesting question. I hope that I, I love to work with writers who don't think they, they could they can write. You know, I hope that people who love I, a lot of different people, like I hope that people that love the theater and maybe dealing with these issues or thinking about these issues in their own day-to-day -day life can come see something and be inspired. I think that's why I, I go see plays. I just saw A Doll's House with Jessica Chastain and that play is so good. Like it still rings true. What an amazing play and what an amazing actress. And I had a wonderful time. I took my sister and I had a wonderful time. I go to see theater. A good play is like, wow, timeless. Like, and it's still, that play still rings so true. So I hope that the people that come to the Downtown Urban Arts Festival are just trying to see something amazing. Like they just want to, you know, whether it's spice up their evening or if they want to relate to something outside of themselves that can help lift them up. I love, I'm also a writing coach and I love teaching. And a lot of my students are, you know, younger girls that are, you know, maybe they dream about writing a play, but they don't know how to do it. And then they see a play and they're like, wow, I, you know, I think I could do that. And so, yeah, anyone and everyone, I hope, comes and sees our Downtown Urban Arts Festival. Beautifully put. And once again, heading over to Willie the Genius, who do you hope have access Ooh. to your show? Ooh, access, access. Ooh. So for me, this, I think this goes back to, I don't think, this goes back to me being a community resource activist, right? And in order to be an activist, you have to actually be active, right? Like doing actionable works in the streets with the people, doing 
bringing the resources in, right? One of the things that I noticed in the addiction is that, and notice how I use that distancing language, the addiction, <laughs> is that, let's be, I, I need to once again, say the quiet part aloud, right? Is that black and brown communities, specifically black communities here in America, as a black American, right? From Houston, Texas, which we were the last ones to find out that slavery was free. Hence the reason we celebrate Juneteenth, right? And so for 250 years, my people, my direct ancestors gave free and forced labor to this country. And then when we were trying to, oh, build our own wealth, we were locked out of the wealth. We had our communities burned, people raped, killed like this. These are realities that we deal with here. And so because of this historical context, our communities have historically been under-resourced, right? And so with that, a lot of what's happening in the great white way of Broadway does not find its way over into the Black communities that are the most impoverished by design. This is not an accident. People ain't lazy. We're tired. <laughs> We're exhausted. That 250 years of free labor is exhausting. <laughs> and people still expect that free labor just walking in the street, you know? And so my thing is this. There's the reason why after we finish or after we tear down the stage <laughs> on June 23rd, Friday, June 23rd, which happens to be Pride Weekend, after we deliver one of the best performances Broadway has ever seen, we are then going to take our show to some of the New York Housing Authority projects in Brooklyn. And we're going to stage this theater show at Kingsborough Houses, which happens to sit on land right across from Weeksville Heritage Center, which was one of the first settlements of freed slaves in America. So for me, it's important to take this show and give it to these little black and brown kids who they are so creative and bright and like they have all the ideas, they have all of the things, but no one tells them, hey, your story is just as important as a William Shakespeare. And like we talk so much about William Shakespeare, but who talks about Terentius Afer, who was one of the first black playwrights, who modern day comedy and modern day rap is based off of his writings, you know? And he was around with the Greeks and we don't talk about this. Why? Because it's not valued, you know? And so my thing is, honey, I'm going to shine as big and as bright <laughs> as the world. I was going to say the world will let me, but honey, they ain't got to let me. I'm going to shine, right? And I'm going to show these kids that they can shine too. Like bring it in. Like we don't, you know, we don't have to ask for permission. Show up and take your space. You've earned it, you know? And so for me, the access for the most marginalized people and to name it specifically, I mean, black and brown folk, I mean, women, I mean, femme folk, I am talking trans, uh, gender, I am talking neurodivergent, I'm talking poor. Those people need access to this because it's joyful and it's liberating and it's revolutionary.
the second part of our show, we'd love to invite our listeners to get to know our guests a little bit better. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you or are some that you love? And Sarah, if I can start with you first on this question. I love Tom Stoppard, and I am writing my own version of a Tom Stoppard for the, the modern day called Cancel Ride which is the journey of two young girls that moved from Virginia to New York City, which is something I did. And it covers their span of time between their coming of age in Washington Heights from 2015 to 2022, which is when I was 25 to 32. So their coming of age story in sort of that Tom Stoppard epic, this history is happening now, is they go through Trump and everyone, the illusion that he was not going to win and they go through the pandemic. And I just realized as I was writing, I'm like, oh, I'm not Tom Stoppard. Who do I think? I'm a comic writer who has a Maisel spec, but like went to LA. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, that's not who I am. But I was like, wait, I can be a Tom Stoppard. These are important stories. So I love, I definitely write comedy. I did write a Maisel spec called Shabbat Blessings for the Baguette, which did not get made, but which got my foot in the door in a couple of Egypt meetings. I've also you know, I write very silly shows. My show Dracula in Denver, which is about Dracula's, you know, adventures on Hinge is is getting done a little bit. So I'm a comic writer, but I also like to write about real things. Uh, I'm not rich. I'm, I'm married down to earth. My stepdad construction, my mom runs her own business. But what I love is playwrights that write about things that are real. I love Will Eno. I love Tom Stoppard. I like the real plight of real people that I know. I love Gilmore Girls because it reminds me my mom was divorced and she, it was just her and I. And like, I love that TV show because it's like, it was just us. And like, you know, like I, I like real things. I also do, I still love Succession because it's ridiculous. Like you watch it and I was like, this is so important to see this in an exaggerated frame because we do need to see this in, in an exaggerated frame because this is a problem with the media. I, I was watching episode four earlier today of season four. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's like what happened in the election. So I like I like real, I like comedy, I like real. But yeah, Willie, you know, I don't think I can see a Willie, you know, play without like, like, like an emotional coma. Like I'm just like the Thornton Wilder, come on. Like, so I like to examine like the moment I like the moment. I like minimal. I like no set. I like words. My mentor is the wonderful David Henry Huang, who I met, who I met through my work. I work at Columbia University in the dean's office doing faculty services. And I, I was lucky enough to take a few independent studies with him. And his best advice to me, and also someone I so admire, I remember going to him being like, I feel like I shouldn't write a Maisel spec because I'm like Jewish and live on the Upper West Side and people think I kind of look like her. And I was like, I don't think I should do this. And he was like, that's exactly why you should do this. You should lean into the stereotype. You should show them that it's three-dimensional. You should show the world that it's not just this, that it's this. And I, what good advice, David Henry Huang. Thank you. So just, I like, I like real, I like real. I love all that. That's amazing. I love Den David Henry Wong. That's incredible. Willie the Genius, what or who inspires you? I'm going to echo you, Sarah. I'm going to echo you. I'm trying not to, but it, it's it's the reason. Are you going to talk about Gilmore Girls too? Yes, Gilmore Girls is the reason that I live and breathe. <laughs> and write. No, seriously, it's the real, right? Like, ultimately, 
we come from different backgrounds. We all come from different backgrounds, but it's the real stories that connect us, right? It's those real moments. You know, I often say, you know, maybe I don't know what it feels like to be a crystal meth addict, but people understand what it feels like to use something else to cope with something else. You know, we all understand those, they, they resonate. You know, we all understand what loss feels like. I don't care whether it's $20 or 20 million. You understand what loss feels like, you know? And so, and this is going to feel, whatever, I just got to say it. I have some really amazing friends, right? Like I, I come from an incredible community of queer Black, queer and trans Black folk who are just writing their asses off. I hope that's okay me saying that word. <laughs> and I mean, they, they are like, so a roommate of mine, or former roommate, was Donye Love. Donye R. Love, who wrote the Love Trilogy while we lived and were, were roommates. Uh, him and his husband were, were roommates of mine early on in our young queer days, baby. And y'all, it was so amazing to sit in our living room and then read one of his plays that is called, the name of it is Soft. And we sat there and we read it in our living room and then me seeing it off Broadway, you know, like... That is like, you know, in, in the moment while we were reading, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like, this is like Harlem Renaissance, but in Bed-Stuy and in, you know, the, the 2010s, you know, and literally it was Donye lived with me and then right up uh, and his husband, Brandon Nicholas, who was an amazing uh, photographer. And then half a block away, we had Hari Ziad who lived like I said, half a block away. And so you had all these black queer writers. And then now Hari is writing on the neighborhood in LA and Donye's show one and two. I went to see that off Broadway at the Signature Theater. Amazing, amazing moment to then see, to sit in the audience and see this play about that directly talked about HIV within the Black queer community. Because the CDC released a report in 2016 saying that one out of every two Black gay men will be HIV positive in their life. One out of every two, 50%. And it ain't because people are just out here having sex. I mean, that's a part of it, right? But everybody's having sex. So why is this community being so disproportionately affected? Because of lack of resources under-resourcing and stigma, you know? And so such a beautiful, beautiful play, you know? And one more one more person. So like I said, Dunye R. Love, Ari Ziad, and also I have to mention Michael R. Jackson, who wrote A Strange Loop, right? And so I, like I said, I got sober. My sobriety date is June 7th, 2019. That same month as I had made up in my mind, okay, Willie, I'm a, I can do this. I'm putting this addiction behind me. I don't know what it's going to look like but I'm gonna figure it out. Every year, Donye and his husband host on Pride Sunday, they host the Black Queer in Here picnic. And it is the most beautiful display of Blackness and queerness and love and family and community. And so we're sitting there in the park uh, and you got all these different writers, some people on TV, some people are just, just got to New York, all of us just together, just eating and communing. And I meet, Michael R. Jackson. And he's like, oh, well, hey, I got a couple of tickets to see my show that's premiering off-Broadway. It was off-Broadway at the time, A Strange Loop. And imagine for me as a newly sober Black queer gay man, how I identified at the time, you know, I'm, I'm trans now, but at the time I was a Black queer gay man watching a show about a Black queer gay man writing a show about being a Black queer gay man <laughs> from the South. And so 
it was to say it was uh, just an out of body experience. Like it was my story on stage. And like, yeah, those stories are are really pulling at me, really pulling at me. Yeah. Great, great inspirations, both of you. Well, I want to ask my favorite question to you both, which is what is your favorite theater memory? My favorite, favorite at the top right now is um, when Donye premiered one and two, and I was at the, the, the premiere for it, the opening night and the after party, y'all. Yo, when I tell you, it was right around the corner from the, the Signature Theater at, I think, Olive, Fig and Olive, something like that, a restaurant over there. And there was food galore. That was the first time I'd ever been to like a theater function like that. Whereas, I mean, it was so much food. But more than that, y'all, it was so many Black, queer, and trans folk in that room. And we came out of our shoes. We came out of our tuxedos. We were twerking for the gods, honey. Like we gave, it was just pure joy. Like, I mean, sweating. <laughs> like it was, it was like being at a barbecue, a function, something that I had only ever experienced very siloed. And like to be on 42nd Street and doing this, it was like, wait, we can do this? And I was like, oh, we can do this. <laughs> and that has given me so much permission. Ah, oh, that night, just so many amazing people there. Ah, oh, anyway, that was an amazing experience. And my other theater experience, which really drives Willie, is when I was in elementary school and I was a member of this, a member of the ensemble in some production and I can't remember. So if anyone watching this hears this and is like, oh, I think I know what that is. Please send it, email it, text it, send smoke signal. I need to find out what this was. But I remember playing a B on stage. I was a B. <laughs> and I was a little kid. I might've been like maybe around seven or eight and I'm playing this B. And I remember wearing like this tunic and then having on these tights. And I love the tights so much. And I was like, this feels good. And the only regret I had was I was like, I think I'm supposed to be the main character in the middle of the stage, but I'm over here. And I didn't know that I could go there. And so now Willie Gets Naked now is dedicated to little Willie, supposed to be in the middle of that stage. <laughs> I love that. This is so that. beautiful though. Yes. Own that center stage. You've earned that. Get it. I, I did. <laughs> Sarah, what is your favorite theater memory? I think I was in the elementary and middle school as well. And my mom and stepdad, we lived right outside DC. And my mom and stepdad took me to see Porgy and Bess at the Kennedy Center, George Gershwin's. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful show. And I just was carried away by the music and the story. And just, I think it's still here. I think it's still here. And just, you know, music is so powerful. And as a writer, I can only hope to come a tenth to, to the emotional bandwidth that beautiful music and beautiful performers and such a beautiful story. So devastating. And the courage George Gershwin had to write that then. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, George Gershwin just 
drop the mic right there. George Gershwin. George and Ira Gershwin for the win. That show is just devastatingly beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Thank you both for sharing those memories. Those were incredible. Oh, love that. Do either of you have any projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Yes. So Willie Gets Naked, the theater show, essentially I reverse engineered the theater show into a 13 episode late night talk show. Why? Because I love talk shows. I love, I love the Johnny Carson era. You know, that whole, and I can't think of her name, Carol Burnett. Oh my gosh. She's, she is my God. She is my God. Okay. And so that whole being able to host and entertain to the camera and to the audience and then sing a song and then back to boom, boom, boom. I feel like that's something we've really gotten away from. And I don't want to even say we lost it. We've gotten away from it. And so for me, I'm like, you know what, let me bring it on back. Cause I didn't forget how this goes. And so last year we filmed the pilot for the, the first episode and yeah. And so All of that is, we're currently pitching it to a premium cable network that I cannot mention, but be looking out for that. And so I'll be releasing the trailer for it very soon. And when I tell y'all, it it is, I tell, you know, when I'm pitching it, I say, you know, it's very Arsenio Hall meets In Living Color meets RuPaul's Drag Race, you know? And once again, my background is in mass communication, honey. I went to the Dan Rather School of Communication where I was homecoming came. So you better believe I'm pulling all the stops out and using it and interviewing people from sex workers to city council people to, if you name it, we're all coming to the table so that we can fix this world that we live in, in real. And it's, it's entertaining as hell. So yes, be looking out for that. And it's Willie Gets Naked, the series. Yes. Anything for you, Sarah? So actually on Tuesday, I was at the drama bookshop because one of my plays was published in the anthology Borderless Thalia, and I would actually sign the copy. So my show, Thanksgiving to Remember, which was read three nights by the same theaters. That's so funny. Naked Angels LA and also the Think Theater did a reading of it online in New Jersey. So if you want to read one of my plays, it's available on Barnes and Noble and other places published by Solus Press in the United Kingdom. And this Sunday at the Equity Library Theater of New York, Play Dracula in Denver is going to get done in a fun afternoon of silly plays. And obviously we all want you to come see the 2023 Downtown Urban Arts Festival this June and come hang out with Willie, myself. I'm sure Dan will be there. And we would really love to see you there. And then I am working on my full length cancel ride, which I hope to bring to the Catskills residency in the fall. Amazing. Finally, if our listeners want more information about Willie Gets Naked or Overdose or about either of you or about the annual Downtown Urban Arts Festival, maybe they'd like to get a hold of the two of you. How can they do that? So I'm I'm very probably too active on Instagram, but I do have an Instagram business, business-like account. So at M-I-S-S Congress, C-O-N-G-R-E-S-S-S. So at Miss Congress, and I offer one-on-one intuitive writing coaching sessions, grip work as well. And you can see the, my Broadway are also the Broadway world account. Sarah Congress will have the latest on my productions. So I'm just going to give my phone number. You all can, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I've actually done that before. I'm like, okay, maybe not. So, so excessive, but I will I'm going to point you all to Instagram as well. I'd say follow me there. I, that's where I post everything. It's at Willie the Genius. And that's W-I-L-L-I-E-T-H-E Genius. 
So follow me there. You'll see, yeah, yeah, I'm dropping everything there. And so, yeah, come along for the ride. It's going to be fun. Amazing. Willie the Genius and Sarah the Congress, thank you both so much for joining me today on Whisper in the Wings and sharing your amazing shows and memories. Really, they are just, this has been incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been extraordinary. Truly extraordinary. Thank you. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having us. My guests today have been the playwright, performer, entertainer, producer, community resource activist, Willie the Genius, and playwright and TV writer, Sarah Congress, whose shows Willie Gets Naked and Overdose will be part of the 21st annual Downtown Urban Arts Festival, which is happening June 7th through the 24th at the Peter J. Sharp Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting duaf nyc.com you can also follow our guests to stay up to date on all of their many upcoming projects and productions via their instagram which we're going to be posting on our episode description as well as on our social media so don't miss out on these two great shows these two inspiring shows really gets naked and overdose and this amazing festival we're going to be attending ourselves so we're going to keep you posted about when our stage whisper night out is going to be so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, head over to duafnyc.com. Get your tickets now for Willie Gets Naked and Overdose. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Bye.